Welcome to On Mission, the teaching ministry of the Mission Church in Irvindale. We exist to love God by loving others, leading them to become fully functioning followers of Christ Jesus. Join Pastor Mike as he teaches through the Gospel of Luke. Royal Robbins. You see his picture on the screen. He was a professional mountain climber of great renown. In an article that he wrote for Sports Illustrated, he had this to say. It's not physical strength or having the safest and best equipment or even proper training, but the ability to see things as they really are. He goes on to say, if we are keenly alert and aware of the rock and what we're doing on it, if we are honest with ourselves and our capabilities and weaknesses, if we avoid committing ourselves beyond what we know is safe, then we will climb safely. For climbing is an exercise in reality. He who sees it clearly is on safe ground regardless of his experience or skill. But he who sees reality as he would like it to be may have his illusions rudely stripped from his eyes when the ground comes up fast. You know, Robbins, uh, his comments are very um, true about rock climbing, but in all reality, his comments that I've read to you here this morning are true in every arena of life, and that includes the spiritual arena as well. Take your Bibles and turn this morning to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. We have been away from our study in Luke for about six weeks as we've been studying about the supremacy of disciple-making. But having done that, we are now coming back to our verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter look at the gospel of Luke. And Luke chapter 7, verses 1 through 10, is the passage for the day. Let's take a look at it. It says, After he had finished all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. Now a centurion had a servant who was sick and at the point of death, who was highly valued by him. When the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent him elders of the Jews, asking him to come and heal his servant. And when they had come to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly, saying, He is worthy to have you do this for him, for he loves our nation, and he is the one who built us our synagogue. And Jesus went with them. When he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore, I did not presume to come to you, but say the word and let my servant be healed. For I too am a man set under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled. Many of the versions say he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd that followed him said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. And when those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the servant well. As we look at verse 1, we take a quick look at some of the context here. We've been away for a while, so I want to make sure that we are back in the place where our minds are focused. The event 
that we just read about uh, took place after Jesus had selected the 12 uh, disciples who had become apostles. And this event also took place after his sermon on the plain, not necessarily to be confused with his sermon on the mount that's over in the gospel of Matthew. And that's where we left off uh, when we stopped in June for the supremacy of disciple making. You may recall that although Jesus grew up in Nazareth, he had chosen Capernaum to be his center from which he would do his ministry in the region. Subsequently then, Capernaum uh, became the location where Jesus regularly taught about the kingdom of God, and it is the place where many of the miracles that he performed took place. For example, it was the synagogue in Capernaum that embraced Jesus' teaching after the synagogue in Nazareth violently rejected it. It was Capernaum where Jesus cast out a demon spirit from a possessed man. It was also there that he healed Peter's mother-in-law of an incapacitating illness. It was also in Capernaum where some friends of a paralytic tried to get him to Jesus, but they couldn't get through the doors because the place was so crowded. So they went up on the roof. You remember this from VBS or Sunday school, if you have that background in your life. Then they opened up the roof. They tore it open and they lowered this man down before Jesus. And uh, we recall from that how that uh, Jesus healed the man and told him to pick up his bed and go home. And he did. So this is the time frame. And it's the location where Jesus has the encounter with the Roman centurion. Although, when you look at the text carefully, you come to understand Jesus never actually met the centurion. So we come to verses 2 and 3. And we find that this encounter with the centurion occurs because the servant, the slave of the Roman centurion was sick and was literally on death's door. Now, the the title up here says Unusual Circumstances, and right now we're about to get into what's so unusual about the circumstances. These circumstances are unusual because it was highly unusual for a Roman officer uh, to have any compassion for a slave. I mean, in that culture, right, slaves were, as they say, a dime a dozen, And so masters would not lose much sleep just because one of their servants, one of their slaves was ill and about to die. But what we find in this case is that this particular centurion uh, was not only concerned for his slave, but the text indicates that they had a very close and unusual bond. It says in the passage that he highly valued this slave or this servant. Now, I did a little research on that and come to understand that the words highly valued are not the best translation to give us the best understanding. Why is that, you say? Because you can highly value an ox, right? I mean, if you've got a great ox who can plow the field like nobody's business, you highly value the ox. That doesn't mean you have a relationship with it, right? But in all uh, truthfulness, the words that are there in the text should be translated greatly honored. Because the reality is, is that this Roman master respected, had great respect for his slave. 
Another unusual aspect is the relationship we find here existing between the centurion and the Jewish community, especially the elders of the Jewish community. We know that the Jews despised Rome because they were occupiers in their land, and they wanted no, nothing to do with that. And the Roman occupiers were none too favorable toward the Jews, because often the Jewish community was making trouble for them, which caused them to have to go to extra work and put out more resources to keep things going the way they wanted them to go. But in this case, the centurion and the Jewish leaders seemed to have a bond that fostered cooperation if not outright affection for one another. And so we find that having heard about Jesus, and remember, Jesus has taught many times in Capernaum. He has performed many undeniable miracles in Capernaum. Having heard about Jesus, then, this centurion goes to some of the elders of the Jewish community and asks them to approach Jesus and to ask him to come and heal his servant. So we come to verses 4 and 5. And as we do, we find that the Jewish elders came to Jesus pleading the centurion's case. And this is what they said to Jesus As they were pleading his case, they said, he is worthy to have you do this for him. He is worthy, Jesus, for you to do this for him, for he loves our nation and he is the one who built our synagogue. I've been in pastoral ministry now for 25 years, a little over 25 years. And on more than one occasion, I have had someone come to my office to advocate for something they thought needed to happen. And I can tell you that there have been times when someone has come to advocate for something they thought should happen in the church, and by the conversation that was going on, it was very clear that because perhaps of their volunteerism, or perhaps because they were a large giver in the church, it was clear that there was the expectation that because of who I am and what I have done, special consideration needs to be given to my request. It happens all the time. That's the way of man. Now, there's no evidence at all in the passage that this centurion uh, put these elders up to saying what they said. No evidence whatsoever. So I don't think we should blame the centurion for what they said because they said what they said without any input really, I think, from him. But then on the other hand, I'm not sure that we should blame the uh, the Jewish elders either because I'm convinced they were sincere in what they were saying. They, They weren't just trying to blow smoke. This is something that was important to them. He was important to them and he was important to them for a reason. And so they're being sincere in what they're saying. However, I want to tell you that when it comes comes to Jesus, they were sincerely wrong. They were sincerely wrong. You know, it's great that the centurion loved the Jewish people. Among the Roman occupiers, that was uh, very rare. And the fact that he had personally, out of his own uh, pocketbook, given generously to build their synagogue, that's not a small little offering. We're talking about a major donation to build their synagogue, right? He did that, and that is very commendable. 
But I want you to take note of truth point number one this morning. And never forget it. That no human work, no matter how generous or selfless as it may appear to be, no human work makes anyone worthy in the eyes of God. I think that bears soaking in just a moment. No human work, regardless of how generous, righteous it may appear to be, merits worth or worthiness in the eyes of God. What I'm about to put on the screen, don't do it yet, but what I'm about to put up on the screen and share with you is something that the general public really doesn't like. And there may be many of you in the the meeting place here today who may take issue with it as well. It is somewhat offensive if you're not thinking from the perspective of God. But what I'm about to put on the screen is God's view of human works. Isaiah chapter 64 and verse 6. Go ahead and put it up there if you would, please. We are all infected and impure with sin. Notice, when we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. This is On Mission. The Mission Church is located at 12001 Ridgemont Drive in Urbandale. To learn more about our ministry, visit our website at themissiondsm.org or call us at 515-255-2122. We gather for worship each Sunday at 10 a.m. We would be honored for you to join us. Have a blessed day, and thank you for listening to On Mission.